Welcome to the London Horror Movie Club. I'm horror writer Lauren Jane Barnett. And I'm Chris Sapkowski, Lauren's older brother, and I've been watching horror movies since I was eight. Join us as we talk about the wild, weird, and wonderful horror films set in England's eerie capital. Welcome back, everyone. This time around, Chris and I watched the 2012 horror comedy Cockneys vs. Zombies. And the best way I heard this described was in a review. They called it, quote, a mad, rollicking mashup of Shaun of the Dead and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Chris, do you think that's a pretty great description? That is a perfect dead-on description. Yeah, it's... uh... You know what you're getting with this movie. They're not trying to be anything that they're not. Um, in fact, there's a great insert on the DVD Blu-ray that if you if you were to buy that, it gives you the the high points of the movie. So there's uh, the number of zombies killed on a screen, 115. The total number of fucks said, 130. So like you're <laughs> averaging over one every minute. You know, there's a total number of complete beheadings, three. <laughs> the number of people bitten and turned on screen nine number of headshot kills because that's the only way you can kill a zombie 163 <laughs> so the movie advertises exactly what it is we got it's the east end of london and it's zombies and enjoy it for an hour and a half and stop <laughs> worrying about trying to win the academy award entertain people Yes. I really liked that about it. It felt like it was, I mean, obviously they're very talented actors. They're like, like Alan Ford, like um, who, who's, it's Harry Treadway who plays Andy. But I thought they did a very good job of it feeling like they were people who do like each other, hanging out, having fun. Cause it is supposed to be a family. What did you think? Yeah, no, it was great. I, so the thing is, is what's great about this movie. I mean, to me, as far as like movies go, I don't know any of the actors. So, I mean, I know Alan Ford, I mean, because he's been in, um, was he in Lockstock and Snatch? Yeah. And I mean, he's awesome. And he is the the quintessential East End gangster, right? So he's perfect in it. You know, some of the people look familiar. Um, some of the old folks in the uh, the old folks home, the retirement yeah, community that are shutting down, look familiar. But I mean, it was just... Yeah, it was a family, and and Mickey's my favorite character. So he's not part of the family, but they got the crazy war vet with a metal plate in his head, and he's he was my favorite character from the minute they show him on the screen, and he headbutts the car yes. to the point where he's peeling off a zombie face that the jaw is still clenched to his forearm, and he leaves it on there for a minute. He's like, oh, that's really that's really cool. I, I love everything about it. So that's great. At the beginning, when they're showing um, Mickey, they do a like a cutaway to him being totally crazy all throughout, mm-hmm. like earlier. I thought the cutaways at the start were a lot of fun. Did you have a favorite one? Yeah, Alan Ford's when he's telling his, so his two grandsons are delivering the meals on wheels, or I don't know what they call them in England, but they're delivering food to to this uh, retirement home. And he's like, when I was your age, I was in World War II fighting Nazis. And they and they show the, the clip of him storming to like this bunker, just shooting all the Nazis. And I was like, this movie's going to be great. I mean, we're like in the first 10 minutes. This movie's going to be great. 
a good way. And it's so fast as well for anybody who watches it. It's like, it's a couple of seconds, but you get this amazing thing. It's like, screw you, Nazis, and the machine gun, and it's done. And yep. you're like, whoa. <laughs> it's perfect. It was it was what they, I mean, and I've I've never been to the East End of London. I mean, I've, I don't hang out there by any means, but it was what they portray as that attitude of the East End. Mm. right it's that kind of the hard man attitude and like but he had it as a 17 year old like in world war ii he's got it as he's sitting there listening to two like random people singing songs in the lobby because it's like their concert for the old folks he just always has that like you know like i'm just (laughs) i'm tired of all this (laughs) yeah alan ford's face throughout is great because he's just the ultimate grumpy man because it's not just that he's grumpy he could like kill you Oh, yeah. He's one of the there's two actors that I've come to the conclusion that I I was completely intimidated by in the roles. Now, in real life, they might be completely, you know, just sweethearts. But in the movies like Alan Ford is one. It comes from the snatch like Big Top, I think is what his name was or Flat Top. But like him and then James Caan is another one who who passed away. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a guy like I wouldn't mess with him. No way. On the other hand, the grandsons, I feel like they're a kind of adorably not they they can take care of themselves but they're adorably not able to actually be live up to this east end sort of vision at all yeah they do seem like the um the people who don't fit in right like so it's what it's terry and andy and they kind of will do cutbacks to the big thing is andy will always be like well come and say that to me and my brother and he's always kind of like they're the team right but they do a cutaway to they grew up we're like Obviously, Alan Ford's their granddad, and he is a hard man and, and or whatnot. And then their parents, they show a cutaway scene, a quick cutaway scene to their parents. Like, you got to look after each other. It's all about family, blah, 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 blah. We'll be right back. And then the next scene, they're loading shotguns and be like, you'll never take us alive. And they go out to like, <laughs> a gunfire, like, blaze of glory. And I'm like, this movie is just wacko. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And it makes total sense all in the same plot. That might be my favorite cutaway because you do, you have this very sincere family moment that you think is going to be like, oh, they're trying to learn the hard way you two stick together. And then the mom just has this rifle that's as big as her kid. It's just like, (laughs) right, let's go. (laughs) It's so great. It's so great. But yeah, they're, you know, they're just, they they don't have real jobs. They just are kind of going around doing their thing. And then you see the cousin, Katie. Who they pick up to, I guess, as the story goes, right, they're going to rob a bank to help pay for this, the care home that their granddad and his friends are in because the bank's trying to take it over and put new high rises in. So it kind of very slightly deals with what gentrification, you Mm -hmm. know, right, they're going to put these big condos up and it's taken away from that East End feel for like the families. They mentioned that a couple of times. This isn't the East End that we know that we grew up in. So they get her. They're going to rob a bank. Well, she's like the parents were and the granddad is like she has that street smarts wit she could hotwire cars she could you know handle a gun she can do all this other stuff where they're just like bumbling idiots and i love it (laughs) i think they were two really good ones they they had a lot of like great comedy as well in this to balance out they obviously great kills did you have a favorite funny moment yeah so it's kind of a tie between Eric and Hamish, so like they're both two old people in the um in the care home. So they got, you know, Eric, I guess, used to be 
he's trying to do rhyming slang the whole time but and i could not find my my rhyming slang dictionary so like i apologize i dug through the the drawers but i could not find it but he's doing the none of his rhyming slang is correct and they will be happy to tell him about it but he will work his way around 15 different ones to get to why it works and then there's also, you know, Hamish is like the old guy who flirts with the nurses and everything, but he's out like taking a nap in the garden and the zombies are coming and they need him. They're like, you need to hurry. He'd only hurry if it's dinner time. But then they, they're like, it's zombies. And when he realizes he's as a walker, he's not quick, but the zombies are also slow, which they mention like 10 times in the movie, right? Like, yeah. are these as fast as these guys are? I thought they'd be quick. So they're very slow. And, and it's just that chase scene through the garden where he like takes the walker. He'll do the slight step. The zombies chasing like just fingertips away the whole time. And they, they kind of go on with that. So those are kind of a tie between those two. What was your favorite part? I also loved the scene with the, in Britain, we call it a Zimmer frame with the Zimmer frame zombie chase. For anyone in Britain, the guy who plays Hamish is Richard Briers. He was in, in The Good Life and he's in a whole bunch of Kenneth Branagh Hamlets. And then you get to see him in this being like a, a ridiculous old man. It's just the funniest. But like you said, the, the zombies are like literally reaching out for him and he's got his Zimmer frame going off. And then the other one, and this is probably a little controversial, but I thought it was funny because I'd never seen it before. So as you say, they've, they've robbed this bank. When they come out of the bank, everything's like completely destroyed. It looks like a bomb's gone off because because the zombies happened, but they don't know this yet. So they, they take their car, they drive back to their getaway place. And as they're sort of getting out, a, a mom and a pram with her little baby come through and they're, they're zombies. And they, they they shoot the mom and they drop kick the baby. And I thought it was so funny. Sorry, the baby is a zombie for anyone who did that. It, they, they needed to drop kick the baby. He tries to eat them. And I just burst out laughing when they drop kick this baby. I apologize if any mothers out there are horrified, but it's I'd never seen it done before. I thought it was great. It's I am. This is controversial, I know. I'm pro anytime kids turn into zombies. <laughs> I've seen it only one other real time in another comedy horror called Cooties. Um, and it's about a middle school where the kids turn into zombies and all the adults are trying to get out way from the kids. Awesome. So the kids are terrible. It's great. It's got Elijah Wood in it. Like it's got like actual actors in it. it wasn't just made by like two buddies that were like, we're going to make something fun. But yes, the drop kick the baby was a great part because they just, it's so sweet. And they like kind of almost make that like nursery music as she's kind of yeah. zombie walking over towards them. And they're like, oh no, what is this? <laughs> and then punt. <laughs> There it goes. <laughs> uh, well, as well, for half a second, you thought it was just the moms. They they killed the mom, and then and it's Mickey. It's the the crazy one who bats his head against the thing. He picks up the baby and be like, "Oh, this poor baby!" And the baby's like, Rah! <laughs> "It's great." No, I found the same humor in it, so maybe maybe that telltale sign for for us. <laughs> It was actually a pretty good kill as well. Like I, I yeah. thought, you know, you, how often do you think about having to kill, you know, baby zombies? You, they never, no one ever broaches that subject. You know, you could watch 15 seasons of The Walking Dead, not a lot of kid zombies. Yeah. How are we supposed to properly prepare for a zombie apocalypse if we don't have baby plans? Plan for or baby Mickey. zombie. Or Mickey. Or Mickey. Which was also a funny kill scene was when they have to kill Mickey. Like, there's not going to be... We, we're going to go through spoilers. I know that. Definitely still watch the movie. It's, we're not spoiling the movie. But Mickey, the reason he's crazy is he was in Iraq. They had to put a metal plate in his head. So shooting him in the head does not work because he has a metal plate. So they decide to stick a grenade in his mouth <laughs> and blow his head up. 
And I, I loved that part too. I was like, genius. Do you, do you think genius. that was the most creative of the kills? Because they do a lot of different ways. Um, creative of the kills? Yeah, probably. I, I you know, I also like the, uh, so somehow, because it's, you know, it's a movie, they've got the uh, Mickey's storage unit full of guns and all the bags, right? So at the end, in the climatic scene of getting the still alive old people out, the core old people out of the uh, retirement home, they have to give them all guns. Well, Hamish, who is in a walker and can't walk and hold a gun, they just duct tape in like basically an Uzi or like a machine gun to the walker. So then when he needs to shoot people, he just stops walking and then pulls the trigger. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's not one kill, but, and then after he shoots like seven people, he looks over at, you know, one of the kids and he's like, that was really sad. Like he didn't want to do it, but he know he had to. <laughs> they were good. I love that scene where they get where they arm the old people because I think they go in like all of us expecting. Oh, you know, they they don't know what to do, and so they're trying to show them how to do it. And of course, these are these are people in the East End when the East End was was rough and tough when mm-hmm. there were actually things. So they're all like they're cocky everything. Like no, it's this clip, and like they know exactly what to do. Oh yeah, the woman. Honor Blackman, she's Peggy, so she yeah. kind of likes Alan Ford's character. She, he's like, okay, so now what you do is, and then she just grabs the gun from him and like loads the clip and puts one in the chamber, <laughs> and you're like, oh, these, they're they're prepared, they're prepared. <laughs> and the line of Alan Ford saying, as soon as he, they open up all the gun, he's like, now you're speaking my language. Like it's just like, oh, this is gonna be the best last twenty minutes of anything. Like this is gonna be great. They so. did so well with the cast because they, so like you said, they have the family and then they've got the old people, but then there's also the two hostages. And I thought the hostages were great. They're, they're like little moments of sweetness and little moments of funniness. But I thought they were really well done. Yeah, you had to have the straight this the straight characters, right? Like it wasn't there. There were just happened to be there. Even the bank robbery was wrong because they're like swindling money. So then they show up at the same time. And so she's like, yeah, I got all your money right here. And he's like, easiest robbery ever. Um, then they take them hostage. Yeah, I mean, it was her trying to kill someone with a shovel was pretty funny because she has no strength. Yes. You know, so she just like knocks him down and then she like hits him a couple times enough to get in the car. (laughs) I think that's how I'd end up doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just get him away from you to get away. Yeah. I don't think I'd be very good at anything else. I mean, God knows I can't throw a baseball. Well, I'm not sure how to aim a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you would just, we would just duct tape it to like something and then you could just something that sprays. There we go. That's the thing. Because, I, you, you know, you see in the movie, those people, they shoot a gun for the first time. They, like, go flying backwards. And, and yes. hit, like, that's me. I probably would end up like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you would have accidentally shot someone else that you were aiming for because of the, the kickback on the gun. Exactly. <laughs> it is always interesting to me, like, as a side note, it's not political, but it's always interesting to me to see movies with guns in England. Mm. Because, you know, when you read stories of, the, the shootings in America, and especially like if you visit the Daily Mail, and I, the comments are the best part of the Daily Mail. But like it'll be like you know English people being like, "Well, that's Wild West America. That's America and their love for guns." And then I watch like Alan Ford go take out you know, thirty people with a gun. I'm like, "Oh, that was the one guy." You know, like they're more efficient there apparently. <laughs> 
But that that's the only thing is that's the only place in London where you would be able to get a whole group of OAPs. Uh, sorry, it's what we call the old age pensioners. Um, pensioners, okay. Uh, that could use guns because everybody <laughs> else doesn't, we don't grow up with guns here so much. Like you could maybe the countryside and, and hunting, but yeah. otherwise London, we're city people. We are Sean of the dead. We grab our cricket bats and our golf clubs <laughs> and are like, let's do this. <laughs> I know after going to Chelsea, I could see some people running over zombies with Ferraris, Yeah, but maybe not with their guns <laughs> or their 200,000 pound Porsches. <laughs> so question, you know, you had asked me and we, we, we've talked about this a couple times. Um, throughout but where London is almost a character in the movie mm. did you think London was a character in this movie or at least specifically the east end of London I think specifically the east end of London is but I think that that's tied really heavily to the to the cockneys the, the east end is really defined by the, the the people in it I think more than like streets and locations in that same way you get plenty of shots where it pans back in the city and you're seeing the east end but if you even living in london i wouldn't go oh that's that street it's just you know it's lots of uh re as you say lots of regeneration at the moment and then there's the sort of traditional streets that are residential so you don't necessarily think oh my god this is this bit of london but right. only in london would you get these these people only in east london would you see the sort of the oaps with the guns and be like like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But yeah, I think the attitude is very East London. So more of an attitude than the actual location itself. It's the people yeah. that the overall attitude of the people than as opposed to like the roads and stuff like that. I gotcha. Yeah, that's what I think. But then I'm a sort of I'm an American audience member, but I'm sort of Englishy audience to an American. Does it come across as like, oh yeah, these are a certain kind of Londoner? Yes. But only because I, mean, I guess it does for me because, you know, like I'll read books on kind of the 70s and 80s um, firm culture for like mm -hmm. football and a lot of those West Ham, Millwall. I mean, some of the, the, the teams that are, are, you know, looked at as, as far as the London side. I mean, I'm a Fulham fan, which could be the furthest thing <laughs> from a Millwall fan. Like, I don't know if there, there can be, you know the two they're probably on the scale of the two opposites um and not saying that the, that's a bad thing by any means it's just that more of a blue collar um kind of a, a hard life um working for everything you have or, or trying to figure out how to get the next thing so it, it's always there's always that plan in motion maybe mm. i'm not trying to sound belittling to anybody because i'm not doing that but it's like how movies have portrayed it to me like i said i don't go over there but from what i've read in certain books and how people have tried to portray themselves to what I've seen in movies and TVs, yeah, it definitely, you knew you were on the East End. I, that, that movie did not look like I was walking up to Craven Cottage or to, you know, somewhere in Chelsea. That, that was definitely a place of London I've not been. Speaking of football, though, they did make they made the good East End joke of the zombies for you mentioned Millwall and West Ham. The zombies from mm -hmm. Millwall and West Ham have like a fight with each other in the street over there yep. with their football jerseys. <laughs> yep. You could totally see it. It was great. You know, I, I really go into the East End part. It was funny because I thought the same thing you mentioned earlier. They get out of the bank, which is when the zombies are starting to come kind of. It really starts with one skeleton. They're excavating, building this new high rise. They're digging and they see this like vault that says do not open by order of, you know, King Henry. I think it was King Henry VIII. And they open it up. And it's like a crypt. And. Then there's like a zombie skeleton that just like eats the first two guys. So it starts from there. So like they obviously have to build out from there. But um, 
I was thinking the same thing is these zombies are slow moving. They're not ravishing through the city, but they come out of the bank and it looked like post-apocalyptic world. There's things on fire and there's, you know, papers everywhere. And there's just <laughs> trash everywhere. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. It didn't look like that when they walked into the bank. Like, <laughs> how did these slow zombies, even if you give me 100,000 of them, how are these slow zombies, you know, causing this much havoc? No, exactly. I That was something that drove me nuts, too. And they did sort of high shots of London to show that this is all happening billows of smoke big black columns of smoke and i'm like are people setting their house on fire to get rid of zombies like what is happening (laughs) it's the best part of any zombie movie is where they have to show that the zombies have taken over it would be so boring to like pan up and just see like oh it's a nice sunny day no you got to see the queen elizabeth stadium on fire see this is the thing is you say that but 28 days later did exactly that beautiful empty clean-ish london and it was creepy. Well, that makes it more creepy. But then 28 days later and 28 weeks later, too. Like, yeah. they're not trying to be a comedy. A comedy no, that's horror. true. That's true. I mean, they're, you're, you're really, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, you know, this is a, this is a really good movie to drink a few beers in or drink some, you know, go into within that mind state of like, um, I'm ready for anything. And so like, you're not, not saying you got to go for the lowest common denominator, but you have to just make sure that everyone knows. There's havoc going on here. Just in case you didn't see it with the, you know, punting a baby, you got to know that there's things going on here that are out of control. <laughs> True. They do a good job of like keeping things totally nuts from scene to scene to scene, don't they? You always have something, whether it's the lockup and these insane amounts of guns or the old folks home and they're like shuddering down the the kitchen. Every scene is packed with something kind of fun or high, high intensity. Oh, yeah. I thought that was great. It was great. I mean, it was, there was a small scene and I thought it was funny. They're traversing through on rooftop to get to the retirement home. And there's zombies on a balcony on like a, one of the condos or one of the apartments, you know, kind of across the way. And I'm like, so here's two people who must've been out of the house. <laughs> became zombies came back into that because if you had a locked door like they just they're proving it at that same point that alan ford and his crew are downstairs they have locked themselves in safe and sound these people turned into zombies somehow made it back to their house and now we're trying to instead of going back out the door after becoming zombies they know where the door is because they got home but now they're trapped on their balcony <laughs> just like reaching for them on a balcony i just thought it was funny like it's just it, it was what you want out of a zombie movie. If you don't want to get, you don't want something just scary and gory. You want a little bit more. Like this mm. was perfect. I thought it was because it was really... Shaun of the Dead times a couple more. You know, it was Shaun of the Dead and then ratcheted it up. Yeah, it's like high octane, I guess. Yeah, Shaun of the yes. Dead's like the normal guy. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I loved is they. They were so kind of creative with how they had to deal with it. I mean, at various points in the film, they had been driving with a van. They drive a car. They drive the bus. They're on a boat. They have basically any form of of transportation to get away from zombies. Do you have a preference amongst their options? What would be your zombie escape of choice? Well, they were smart. I mean, they they go into the boat's perfect because, I mean, get in the water, go to an island. I mean... We talked about that in Shaun of the Dead. Is like, if England comes over with zombies, the rest of the world's fine, man. They're just going to be like, okay, nobody's, well, actually, maybe not. I mean, we had COVID and we couldn't get people from stop traveling. But, you know, like we would, you could technically cordon off an island. But yeah, the boat, 
no, it's all good. I <laughs> there's a line in the movie where you know, they're trying to escape. They're they at their hideout. The zombies find them at the hideout. They get through all the fences and all that. He's like, hey, be careful with the car. It's a five series, which is just a shitbox car. There's nothing nice. Of it. It's an old five series. But, you know, Andy's very particular. He's like, it's a five series. <laughs> like, so, yeah, they, they, they have it all. Um, But, yeah, the boat was perfect. And just the fact that, like, you know, they did 28 days later and then 28 weeks later. They could do a Cognies versus Zombies, too. And I want to see what they did after they got on the boat. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, did some of those people die from old age? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of stress for the heart for older people. It is. I mean, to be fair, they seemed like they were up for it. They they were pretty pretty tough old people. Well, it was funny that one the one of the older guys was um was it Daryl or yeah maybe it was Daryl and I guess he used to hang around in the gangland area. He's like, you know, I could get I could have someone take you out, and he's like, you haven't had anyone taken out in fifty years, and it's just it was just funny. So like, yeah, maybe they were up for it. These these guys were like, hey, I've been waiting for this the whole time. Alan Ford mentions it. He's like, East End's always going through changes, but there's always the people that keep it the same or people that'll you know overtake it. So yeah. he was like, we're ready for this. I thought Daryl was such a cool customer when the, there's a zombie like on the floor and he's trying to get a picture of, I think it's his family. And the zombie is right next to him and attacks him and starts biting at him. And he's, he's totally calm. And the kids next to him just like, oh my God, Daryl, are you okay? And he goes, that's the wrong leg because he has a wooden leg. And he takes it out oh. and starts beating him to death with it. How calm and in control was that? That was great. And, and there you go. Another kill. Have you ever seen a prosthetic used as kills? There should be more creativity in that. I feel like we get a lot of the same stuff, especially with zombies. It's a lot of hit you over the head with something relatively you, you would use for that, like a bat or a shovel. But that was neat. That was different. So, and going back to the uh, DVD advertisement that gave us all the fun facts, the number of prosthetic limbs used in the film was 10. 10? Good Lord. I almost need to go back and watch it because <laughs> I can, I'm trying to think of where the other ones were, but yeah, I remember, you know, it takes off the leg and just beats the, beats the zombie to death. Yeah. But yes, very calm and cool and collected. He's, he's, Daryl had been in some stuff. You could tell, like they, they did just enough to let you know that like Daryl at one point, now he has Alzheimer's, but Daryl, you know, at one point was someone not to be messed with. But yeah, no, what, I mean, just a fun movie, right? It's just. It takes you from the beginning to the end. There's no slow points. There's no slow burn to it. And that's, those are sometimes the best movies to watch. Cause it's like, I got an hour and, you know, I got a two hour period of time. I'm going to put on this movie and I'm going to be enjoyed from minute one to, to the last minute. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a movie that you don't want, you don't stop halfway through it and come back. Yeah, exactly. You want to watch it all the way through. And I think as right. well, it did something nice that not necessarily all comedy horrors do, which is it had like a sweet side. The family's at the center of it. There's these like nice moments where Alan Ford's just like, you robbed a bank and like smacks him over the head, you know, like a granddad would do. And then there's that really sweet moment when um one of the, the women who gets kidnapped, Gemma, she wants to go see if her sister's okay, and one of the grandsons comes up with him, and you we don't see it on camera, but you know that the sister's turned into a zombie. And they have this, like, it's not very long moment, but there's this very sweet rather than cute moment on the stairs where he's, he just sort of gives her a hug, being just like, yeah, this is terrible. And you wouldn't expect that, I don't think, from other comedy horror movies. You have these gentle moments. That's interesting, because I will say, I, you know, I know what you're talking about, and I would not have picked that part out. I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, like, 
time to take her out, you know. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> there for the, my... you know, soft-hearted ones. The people who are going on dates with the horror lovers go, oh. Right. When when someone takes their their you know, their horror lover family member out, they're like, Oh, I, I got something out of this movie. <laughs> like the sweet point when they're talking to the kids in the living room when the parents are talking to the brothers, you know. It is a, a super nice, like they're giving them life life lessons. And then they're doing the exact same thing they're telling them not to do. Yeah. <laughs> so what now? What did you uh, did you did you have a drink when you watched this movie? What what was your choice of drink? I did, as predicted. I put way too much research into it, so I did all those searching for it, and I found out that ale is the traditional Cockney drink. So I went to the grocery store and I, I tried to find the most old school English thing I could find. And so I went with Spitfire because the Spitfire plane, the British war plane, you've got Alan Ford's character fighting the Nazis. And so I had a nice Spitfire, very chill. It was great. How about you? What did you? I did not do the research into trying to find, I did try to go find a Camden. We we have very limited English beers, right? So mm. I did go try to find it as a Camden brewing, which I know is not East End. But I was like, yeah, maybe it'll be uh, uh, London. I was going to also try, I know I could get Boddington's here, but I was like, well, Boddington's is Manchester, I believe. Like, I believe it's up north, stuff like that. I was like, no, I'm just going to go with, uh, I ended up having uh, a glass of bourbon, and then I finished it off with uh, just a regular American watered-down lager. I feel like that kind of would be what Andy maybe would do, you know, bourbon and a beer. Yeah, bourbon was when it was a little more classy, and then when the chaos goes, then then it's just time for a beer. Bourbon for a bank robbery. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> classy, classy bank robbery. Everything was still classy until the bank robbery, and then it all it all it all turned. Yeah, it's, I think it's funny. Sort of crazy Mickey gets like classy bourbon when he's introduced. <laughs> I feel like he wouldn't appreciate that. No, I didn't see. Like I said, I didn't do the much research on the drinking part. I just knew that I was going to drink while I watched it. <laughs> No, I like, I think it's, I honestly, I think that's good. That's how most people watch movies. I think it is very, gosh, I'm an academic who has far too many degrees to go, gosh, what did they drink in the East End? (laughs) Nobody does that. It is funny to me when you, when you talk about the East End, um, because it is, I guess the primary spots that I've always hit up when I've gone there has been primarily West End or the Mm. West side of London. I know we did that Jack the Ripper tour and that ventures a little bit into the, was it the city of London and then a little bit on the outskirts on the East End, but that wasn't like true East End. But like looking at it, it, it definitely, I mean, I bet you there's a lot of just character and culture there. It's just not a place I've just ever been. Now, I guess with the Olympics, when the Olympics were there, they kind of, that helped the gentrification area because I know West Ham is now at the Queen Elizabeth Stadium or whatever, they, they probably changed the name of it. Yeah, I, I was kind of, I, I do do a lot of Googling after I watch a movie, just to, like, I want to know the area, especially where it was filmed. Mm. And it looks like it was, a lot of it was filmed kind of on location Yeah. in different areas. So that's cool. Like, that's always cool to me that you're taking the actual locations and not just making it in a studio. Yeah, it's really, they did a really good job with it. And it's, it's actually such a funny thing because the East End has changed, what the East End means has changed so much. So the retirement home they're in is called the Bow Bells. And it's a reference to the fact that back in the day, I think this would have been 19th century. It was that you were born within hearing distance of the the Bow Bells, Mary LeBeau Church in the East End. If you go to Mary LeBeau Church today, it's near St. Paul's. It's, It's in what you think of as the center of London. 
And so it's not actually that it's not the East that's in Cockneys versus Zombies. And it like kept moving. And so then there's there's writers later who say it's Tower of London, the Tower Bridge was the line. And then that was and then to the East. And now it's even further East than that. You you have to end up going to to even past Limehouse to get to the East End. So it keeps kind of oh, creeping wow. further and further away. For some, like, I think the East End does still now, because of arty things and because of gentrification, I think Whitechapel still counts and, and that kind of area too. But like the East End keeps spreading further East. And you in the film, you go all the way down to Canary Wharf. You can see where Mickey's lockup is. You can see the big buildings of Canary Wharf. Yep. Which is also very funny to me that, not that they meant it this way, but my mind did go there is here's this, crimin- this small level criminal and he's got his lockups. And you look up and you see like the, is it HMBC building? Like the different, because Canary Wharf is like the financial district, right? And they're crooks too. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're not, but like, I mean, I, I'm <laughs> yeah, not right. saying that about it, but like you got like the, the small level crook with the billion dollar crooks over, you know, like all in the same area. Like, not that they meant it to do that, but I was like, oh, no. I'm looking too much into this. That's it. <laughs> no, you're totally right because that's also they have the crooks of the people who are doing the gentrification are stealing from the bank and then they are stealing from the bank. They're totally trying to do that because right. this was right after. So they, this came out in 2012 and they were filming it in 2010, 2011. So it was right after the financial crisis. So people were oh. still really upset about this kind of stuff. Look at that. See, I See? picked into an artistic thing. No degrees. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only thing I'll pick out of the whole thing, but I, I definitely did chuckle a little bit when I see that his storage unit, like this hardcore, I mean, he's got guns. He's just, if he's a guy that if he was walking down the street, you would cross the road. And he, like, he'd like I would yell at you road. as well. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he's the crazy guy that you see. You're like, Oh God, I got to get to the other side of that guy. Like you it just, you wouldn't want to be around, but he's just there with all the billion, you know, the billion dollar buildings, just, doing deals and making money all the time and they're all together and there's i like as well because there's an honor to the east end kind of the I, I crook's a tough word but like i guess they refer to it as the mob maybe in in the film but alan ford's generation people because this comes from films like lock stock like snatch where yeah they're doing illegal things but you get to see the the other side of there's a reason that they're doing it and why yeah. they're doing it whereas with the banking stuff it's just money it's just senseless nonsense <laughs> Yeah, there's no there's no real victims because no one's getting physically harmed. But yeah, everybody has a a good heart. Yeah, somewhere. Exactly. Somewhere. <laughs> you might not always see it, but there's got to be some some level of of humanity in there for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's and that, they do show that in the movie because Alan Ford, they're doing what they have to do to to survive, and they're not the best of people. But they're they are the families. You know, they're trying their best, even if their best idea is to rob a bank. Hey, he was so proud of them. And then when the bus runs out of gas, he went right back into like, you guys are idiots. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So the heartfelt moment of like, how much did you get? He's like, you shouldn't have robbed a bank. Smacks him on the head. How much did you get? He's like, "Uh, like two million. He's like, these are my boys. This is what I'm talking about. And the bus runs out. He's like, I hate you both. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously amazing to have that kind of money to save the old folks home. But realistically, zombie apocalypse, will that money ever be useful again? I mean, toilet paper, but like, <laughs> are they, are they going to need to, is $2 yeah. going to be great against the zombie horde? That's interesting to say, because no, I mean, money, would money mean anything as soon as, you know, dead people are walking around biting people and turning them? No, it's not going to mean anything. 
but it is interesting because they do say that she heard on the radio they're trying to cordon off the east end to protect everybody else so maybe they were able to i don't know how you would cordon off the east end the river goes north south yeah. it does or it goes east west it does not go north south don't know how you have a, cor- a cordon area but Every every zombie movie has a safe a safe haven area, right? It's like if we can just get here, we'll be safe. Well, and also as you said earlier, um, Ford and and I think as well, Tor- Terry says like you know the East End has been through worse, and they'll get over it. So they probably do think you know eventually they'll sort this out. And they won't even need the the bow bells; they'll just buy a, a mansion. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, two million in London will probably buy you a nice flat, but. <laughs> Well, after the zombies, have t- they're not going to move to like, you know, they're going to stay on the east of that. They're going to be near the local, you know, the local pub. Like, they're going <laughs> to. No, you're right. I Actually, you're right. If you're in zone three, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I don't know how you cordon off something that has, you know, tube stations and buses and roads and yeah. everything. And I mean, no, no offense to the river. It's awesome being on the water. But if you're a zombie, you don't need to breathe. So you can just walk across the river. I mean, you're underwater for a lot oh. of that, but you can just walk. Are they strong enough for the current? Oh, that's a good point. You are very clever. You're right. It's a tidal river, so they just yeah. the tide would go out and swoosh all the zombies into the ocean. <laughs> I guess you just go at low tide. They're not going to smell the nastiness that once you know that low tide goes. There's that little. There's a nice little. There's a nice little uh, river smell. Yeah. They won't care about that. So. No, definitely gonna be worse. Okay. Thinking of the zombie apocalypse more broadly, did you get any good zombie apocalypse tips from this movie? Because I got one I'm very excited about. Ooh, you you got one. Okay. Uh, well, I need to do more cardio. That would be like <laughs> one thing. Because even though they're slow, I'm not fast. So I, there's a lot of running in zombie apocalypse movies. Um, Are you even telling with... me that you can't outrun Hamish on his Zimmer frame? I'm just saying that the scene where Hamish is getting away from the zombie would look almost identical, and I don't have one of those. (laughs) I fear like it would be like I would run as fast as I could, and I'd make up a good distance. But the time it would take me to catch my breath to get able to run again, they would catch up. So it would just be a longer, a longer lull. What What is your zombie apocalypse tip that you came away with? I think this is genius. Fall asleep. If you are stuck, pretend to fall asleep because Hamish is outside for like at least a couple hours while they're coordinating also like the zombies are coming in. They're attacking people in the street. He is asleep in a chair. I can do that kind of defense. I can do possum. That is definitely (laughs) when I'm going to survive the zombie apocalypse. You know, you just walk along and then you hear a zombie lay down flat on the floor and then that's it. So so you're you're you're, uh, I always joke with my friends that my fight or flight. I'm all flight, even though I'm not very quick. Like, there's not going to be a whole lot of figuring this out. Yours is, you're not going fight or flight. You're going sleep. You're going possum. Possum mode is is how you're getting away from this. Yeah, this is my my new, and I think this is something anyone can embrace. If you end up in danger, just go to sleep. Possum mode. No, that's a good, that's a good idea. I could probably do that. I could probably do that. There you go. See, we don't need But I can't get comfortable when I sleep. So, like, I'd be tossing and turning, and they'd be like, wait a minute, what's going on? Yeah, see that? <laughs> I can't you gotta... just stay still. <laughs> I have, like, the Tom Arnold disease where, like, I just kind of keep moving all the time. <laughs> that That's the real problem is I bet when I sleep, I probably move around a lot more than when I'm, like, fake sleeping. So I might actually give myself away. More movies are in order to figure out the best way to get away from it. Yeah, exactly. Because was there any good? I'm trying to think back to when we did Shaun of the Dead. 
Was there any good zombie apocalypse advice we got there? I mean, the pub is a genius place to hide. That was good advice. I don't know. Like, I always think, like, what would I do in a zombie apocalypse? And, like, even this movie, that in the in the little advert, you know, like, they'll be like, you got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. I'm like, no, nah, man, you got to find someplace safe and just let it ride out. If the zombies are always moving, they're going to keep moving past you. Yeah, exactly. You just have to get away from the wave. And and boat actually boat was a really good call as you said earlier you know they can't do anything they're right there they want you but they can't do anything about it. See that's what I did think is we you know we've got the, the coast two hours east of us and we've got a, a place on what they call Pleasure Island so it's like Carolina Beach Curry Beach I would try to make it there because there's one bridge that goes over there and then just wait for me and then take the bridge out there you and go. then I'd be fine. That is really clever. Honestly, it is. See, I, the <laughs> thing I always worry about with it, we, yes, we're on an island and the ocean isn't very far away, but it, it is cold up here. Like you fall into that ocean and you're going to die. Whereas North Carolina, you could, you know, if you need to swim to get to something, you're not going to get frostbite. You'll be fine. No, it was 60 degrees yesterday and it's in February. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I almost had to turn the AC on. I turned the AC on in my car the other day. It was like 71. I'm like, what is going on here? Definitely not a good cold weather plan to be in the ocean in this far north of the Atlantic. <laughs> well, we've already proven that we wouldn't do well in a zombie apocalypse with yeah. craziness that likes of no one has ever seen. You know, zombies, no one's ever seen that in real life. It doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. We can't deal with heat or extreme cold. So how are we going to deal with the living dead? <laughs> yeah, We're not. Yeah, no. We're not. <laughs> yeah, there's not a Bear girls among the Sapikowski family. I think we're good. No, no, at least not between us two. No, that's true, actually. Yeah, there's that, Brand, that, Brandon would Brandon be the closest one. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think maybe maybe zombie apocalypse. What I need to do is make it to Brandon's house. That's yep. I think is is what we need. That should be my plan. You're 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 a flight away. I I am just a quick drive. So no, that's true. Hey, for for those listening, we have a third brother who is he's in the army and he's he's very badass. Sorry, third sibling. I'm not a brother. I would feel safer there than I would yes. in my own house. I don't We've think got Nerf guns. Oh, there you go. And so hockey, we could... you got the hockey puck thing. I could have my son shoot hockey pucks at people. I bet you he could knock off a decomposing leg or two, there slow him go. down a little bit. You just need puck to the head. You said. Oh, well, that's yeah. He could probably do that too. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have up. shelves of books to throw at them. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we've already con- confirmed. We are not getting out of this thing alive. So we might as well enjoy it, you know, grab a bottle of something and just be like, here we go. Let's see what happens now. That's my new plan. Binoculars, something nice to eat and just see the kills. Be like, ooh, that would have been good in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> just lock your doors, go to the top, the <laughs> highest window you have and just watch. Yep. Pretend it's a horror movie. That might be the only way to cope. Cope, cope until you can't and then doesn't matter you're not gonna know what's happening afterwards anyways uh so i gotta know bring it back to the movie specifically did you have a favorite moment was there like a favorite scene or joke that you were just like best bit yeah favorite moment for me was 100 they come in through the ceiling at the retirement home they've got all the guns so now they've determined we got to fight our way out of this and he ends up duct taping or taping three grenades together and he calls it the bitch. And he like opens the little like kitchen, like steel window that they close when it's closed down and just like throws it out to kind of give them some room, like blows up the zombies. It just went from like zombie movie to like now they're on the attack. 
because that was the moment they were truly like these guys have all got to get away like how are they going to do this and then that's like when the last uh climatic scene of like just chaos ensuing yeah. happens so that was mine what about you I really loved towards the end they're getting onto the boat and they've obviously it's really tight because they have these older people that they're having to help onto the boat and so they just get on just as the zombies are everywhere the boat pulls away and it's chained to the dock they didn't realize it was chained to the dock and Alan Ford sacrifices himself he goes out there he takes the chain off and he's surrounded by zombies and the zombies are just coming down and you're like oh my god he sacrificed his life that's so beautiful that's so wonderful and then spray of bullets zombies just start falling and he's he's (laughs) on his back with a machine gun or an Uzi or something and he's just killing them all and I didn't the first time I saw it I didn't see it coming I thought sacrificial ending cliche but sweet and he he blew literally blew them all away I loved it. It was great. Yep. It wasn't the norm. It wasn't the norm of like, there's the sacrificial ending. So they all get away. So it's kind of his girlfriend that he has, the Peggy, and then the sons. He gets them all. Nope, he's coming with them. He just, he was going (laughs) out there. And would you want anyone else to go out to have to unchain a boat when as all of London is coming at you as zombies, then Alan Ford? Right. To me, that's the guy you want to do it. Exactly. I mean, he he's the guy who's going to get it done right, too. I mean, yep. you wouldn't even trust it. Bless them. But Andy and Terry and that they're they probably wouldn't even get the boat away. But Alan Ford. Yeah, that, well, they wouldn't have made it right? to the boat without without him, I think, you know. No, no way. But, yeah, but they did love their granddad because they were going to get him. A lot of people might have just started driving in the car and going away. I mean, you had perfectly good cars. <laughs> <laughs> you can just keep on keeping on. But no, they, they, they went right back into the center because they had to get the people out. And actually, you're right. Even earlier in the film, I think it might have been Ray or one of the other ones says, you know, nobody's coming for us. We're in an old folks home. Yeah, they already gave up on us. So it was sweet that they did. Yeah, no, like the movie was, I mean, it's definitely a favorite of comedy horror for me. Like it, it definitely ranks up there. And this means, though, that you have to pick something great to follow it up with. So what's next time? Oh, it's my call. Well, I'm going to go... Because I want to drink a bottle of Red Merlot, and I know a movie's going to go with it then. So I have never actually seen another first watch for me. So this wasn't a first watch, but first watches are always interesting to me because I don't know what to expect, but American Werewolf in London. Yes. I, I don't know what to expect. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting werewolves. I'm expecting probably a police officer or two in the little tall bobby hats because it was yep. in the 70s, I think. But uh, yeah, let's let's do with that one gonna be great honestly i think you're gonna love it i can't believe you haven't seen it yet it's i think you're gonna love it it's the classic is there a movie american werewolf in paris as well that was the sequel it is not as good at all okay so i remember seeing parts of that movie and thinking this is horrible but i was also (laughs) i remember whose house it was at i won't name them but it was like when i was a kid right like sixth grade fifth grade but I, I just remember thinking, eh, so that, that probably got me not to watch American Werewolf in London. Like, because I was just like, oh, this is just not very good. But I've heard enough people say, you haven't seen this movie? Like, I've got to watch it now. Yeah. So that'll be my choice. Uh, a bottle of Merlot. And mm-hmm. I'm a big guy. A bottle of Merlot is kind of like three glasses for me. But uh, and an American Werewolf in London. <laughs> Awesome. I will have to have think about what to get because obviously it'd be a bit of a shame to do the exact same thing. So I'll have a little think about what fun, interesting thing I will drink with it. But 
I'm so excited for it. It's one of my favorite movies. I talk about it all the time when I give my lectures and stuff. It's oh, brilliant. Great. It's super London-y as well. So I'm going to I'm gonna probably fill up a lot of our time trying to talk about London. So stop me when I start talking too much about it. No, let's, let's do it. That sounds great. Before we go, we have news about you. Oh. <laughs> That's very sweet. Yeah, your book, Death Lines, The Walking London's Horror History. Did I, did I get all that? Did I get that right? Is now out. It'll be out in the States. I believe May is what I saw on Penguin Press. But it is out and being shipped is what I heard from the publisher <laughs> over there um, yeah. as of Thursday. So congratulations. Thank you. That's so great. Thank you. Yes, I, I for anyone in the UK, it is it's shipping from Strange Attractor Press, but larger because that's the main press, but larger things like Amazon and the US will get it in, in May just because they need big stock. So they take a little bit longer. But yeah, it's it's officially out. I'm very excited. I'm a little nervous. It's all these walks through the city. It's lots of lots of fun movies. There's even a, a walk that's on the tube. So you can go into the underground and stop at different stops. It's a lot of fun. I really liked it. It looks great. It's looking at some of the, uh, you had forwarded me some of the uh, publicist pictures or the marketing pictures for the book. And it looks like you have an, an artist who went in and actually did some artwork as well as the maps of your your walks and of those tours. So it looks kind of like a, a really, almost like a guidebook of like, hey, let's go, you know, hey, this one's a two mile walk, right? Like, hey, we could go see some things. We can go learn some things. But if nothing else, you get to hear how London has produced some great horror movies throughout the years. Well, congratulations. It's Thank finally you. out. I know you've been, I know we've been talking about this for a few years now. Thanks, yeah. COVID. But uh, <laughs> it is out. It is ready and is ready for people to read. So if you're looking for that special gift, go to Amazon and, and order it up. Thank you so much, Chris. It's really nice of you to mention it. Yeah, no, I can't wait to read it. If you like it, you'll have to, we'll have to do one where you tell us what you think of it. I can do that. It'll prove that I not only read a book, but I retained information from a book. <laughs> Take that, Mrs. Yoder, fifth grade. <laughs> so in the meantime, next time we're going to do American Werewolf in London. I, I really think you're going to like it. And if anybody out there listening hasn't seen it, there will probably be so many spoilers. You should totally watch it. It's brilliant. If you're in the UK, it's on Channel 4 at the moment. So go watch it. <laughs> if you're in America, it's on, I believe, Prime. So you can watch it on American Prime. So there's plenty of places to watch it or possibly even HBO has it. So plenty okay. of places to watch it that on your streaming accounts. Thank you so much again, Chris. It's always awesome to have you as a co-host. I loved it. Great talk. And thank you everyone for listening. We will talk to you in March. If you want to share your thoughts about this episode, please head to our Facebook or YouTube pages. We're grateful to Kukurbit, who made our music. Thank you for listening, and please join us next time for the London Horror Movie Club.